0: This audio recording is presented by New City in downtown Orlando. This morning's scripture reading is John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean. Where I left off, what are two contributions that Jesus speaks to that contribute to our flourishing, to our life, to our growth, to our increase, to our fruitfulness? First, he speaks to the love of the vine dresser and next to the life of the vine. John 15 is rich in imagery. If you've been reading in John with us, there's an aspect in which you want to understand more the metaphors of John. And at the same time, uh, they're so simple. And that's the beauty of them. You understand, right, that Jesus is the vine and that when you think of a vine that produces fruit, the life of the vine is what produces fruit. And you say, okay, I get that. But what does that mean to me? What is the purpose of this metaphor? I find myself asking that when I'm reading John all the time. I get wrapped up in the intricacies and trying to find out more deeply what he's speaking of that I lose sight sometimes of, well, what is the basic purpose of the metaphor? I think John could have started this chapter with verse five, where he says, I am the vine, you are the branches and so on. He could have just started there. So as I was reflecting on it, I almost started us there. I almost said, well, let's just do five through 11. But then I thought, well, what is he doing in the first five verses? Verses that he seems to repeat and expound upon after that. And as I thought about it, I thought if we skip, well, we wouldn't skip, but if I chose not to speak to verses one through five, we might miss something very important. And I think what we might miss is the first point today, which is the love of the vine dresser. The love of the vine dresser. Vine imagery, fruit imagery, particularly vineyards. That imagery is so prolific in the Bible and in other literature of the Bible's time. We understand what a vineyard is. Many of us have seen a vineyard, uh, they're not really farmers like we understand. Uh, they are vine keepers who are walking the vineyard constantly. And the vine keeper's eye is so trained. I've heard stories of people when I lived in California who went to vineyards. Some of you may have experienced this. They go to vineyards uh, right after the vines have been pruned. And it looks like the vine dresser has absolutely destroyed the entire crop. Uh, they, they, from the untrained eye, think to themselves, what was he thinking? What were they thinking? They're destroying everything. But in fact, it's the loving knowledge of the vine dresser that will produce the crop, the multiplying crop of the next year. We're all familiar with this. But in John 15, when we read it and we apply it to our own lives, for some of us, it's quite disturbing. And the reason it's disturbing is because of verse two, right? Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, I thought to myself, I wanted to just skip over this because there's so much richness. But then I thought, I think we might lose out on something. And so I just want to speak to it. Remember, this is the farewell discourse. And so Jesus is helping his disciples as they're walking to the end of his life. He's helping his disciples by leaving them with a couple things to remember that will be fresh on their memory. And this right here, verse 2, actually taps into a theme that is in the Gospel of John. And the theme is this. There are so-called believers that are not believers and there are so-called disciples that are not disciples. That happens all throughout the gospel of John. And then in the letters of John, you hear of people who are going out from us. And then he says, but don't be concerned because they never were of us. So what is he preparing these people for? What does he mean? John 6, says this, After this, this was after a conversation Jesus has had that was very confusing to all of his disciples, even the 12. It's very clear. Even the 12 are absolutely confused by what Jesus just said. But John says, after this conversation, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Jesus wants to tell his disciples, there's a reality. I am the true vine. And I have come to glorify my father by a multiplying vineyard, by disciples that go out into the world and produce fruit, that bear fruit. But I just want you to know that some people, some branches that look like they're a part of this are not a part of this. Judas would be the perfect example. Jesus washed Jesus' feet. We'll come back to that later. Judas was invited in. Judas walked with the disciples. It was so confusing what was about to happen, but Jesus is preparing them and he's preparing us. That the vine dresser is so loving that he will remove dead branches. Why? He will remove them so the living branches will have even more room to produce fruit, to bear fruit, to grow, and to live. I remember when I was in college, I experienced this for the first time, and it was very confusing. I became a Christian in college at nineteen, and a friend of mine, she became a Christian just a couple weeks after me, and we were we were close friends. There was a group of us that were leaders in the ministry, the college ministry that I was a part of, and we were doing life together. And we went to our second summer beach project, which is a ten week long thing in the summer where it's led by students. And she was one of the leaders with me and a few others. And I remember um, she started to pull away uh, from all of us. She started to to uh, ask questions, which was a fine thing. But some of the questions were confusing to me. And I remember one night we were walking on the beach and there was a group of people. Uh, We had a group of people, they had a group of people, and they were were, uh, involving, uh, enjoying all types of debauchery in public, quite embarrassing actually. And I remember us turning around and we turned around to walk the other way. And she came up to me and she asked me, she said, don't you ever miss that? I remember thinking, Not really. And I said, no, why? And she said, well, I do. And so at first I thought, well, that, that's normal. Like that is our flesh and, and sometimes that happens. That's not what Jesus is talking about, okay? There's a difference between a struggling branch and a dead branch, okay? A few weeks later, we're back at college and she walks up to us and she says, I just want you to know that I don't believe in Jesus. I never have, and I'm done. And she walked away. And it was very confusing. And I remember asking my disciple, what happened? And he took me to John 15. And he said, there are some branches that don't bear fruit because they're dead. And Jesus wants us to know that. So that's there. It's in the passage. I wanted to take it head on. But I want to end with this. That's not the only thing the vine dresser does. He doesn't just remove branches that do not bear fruit. In his love, he prunes fruitful branches. But this also is discouraging to some people. So it's not like the first part was we've moved on from the discouraging part of John 15. But this is also discouraging to some people. Pruning. I'm not a gardener. I hate mowing my yard. It seems simple. But I don't like to do anything outside. Okay? It's true. I just hate it. It's painful. So I remember when we lived in California, uh, there were, we, we had these bushes. I didn't even know what kind of bushes they were, except there was one rose. And they were way out of hand. Otherwise, I don't know if we, the bushes could have been identified by someone like me. And when we moved in, I thought, this is unwieldy. But guess what? I'm not gonna touch it because I don't do that kind of stuff. So I came home one day, and those were already dead to me. I don't even see landscaping. And I was walking in my house, but, but today it caught my eye. And the reason was is because I thought, Leah killed them. Because what happened, they were these enormous bushes that you couldn't even see the the base of the plant itself. And I came home and there was a stick with like three things sticking off of each one. And I walked inside. And the first thing I said is, why did you kill our bushes out front? I was like, we might have to replace those now. And she said, I didn't kill them. I pruned them. I said, those are dead. Those are dead. And she said, just give it time. And she actually, this is a true story. She pulled up a YouTube video so I could see that what a a, a bush looks like, a rose bush that's pruned. And sure enough, three or four months later, the most beautiful roses of multiple colors were all lined up in front of our house. But it looked like she had killed the bushes. And Jesus then is telling his disciples that the loving vine dresser will allow things will bring things even into the lives of true disciples so that they will bear more fruit. So he doesn't want us to be surprised that some people are not true disciples and the fine dresser will remove them. But he also does not want us to be surprised that difficult things will come in the life of the true disciple. That will happen. And for many of us, it is happening right now. Now when we think about pruning, oftentimes if we're familiar with the New Testament, we think about discipline. And I think that's a good place to go first. For example, he does discipline us for our good that we may share in his holiness. This is what Hebrews says. I'll read now from Hebrews, verse 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. You hear that fruit, it yields fruit. Discipline brings about fruit. But there are other types of pruning. Did you know that sometimes when we experience a hard marriage, that's pruning? When we experience seasons of hard parenting, that's pruning. Sometimes when we don't get the job that we thought we were going to or get the house or get whatever, this is real life. We don't know why. We're confused. But we experience it as painful. But in reality, it's pruning. God is pruning us there. So that we will be more fruitful. And we may not understand it. But that's actually what's happening. Maybe a riff in relationship. What is that? Well, yes, is there sin involved? Absolutely. But in the transformation of our character, we experience that pruning. Why? So that. We will bear more fruit so that we will be transformed. But what is it about pruning? What is it about pruning that brings about more fruit? That's a question I kept asking myself. Remember, I don't know anything about anything outside. So I had to look this up. What is it about pruning? I just know, is it magic? Is it a miracle? What happens? So apparently when you prune something back, what it forces the branches to do is pull more from the life source of the plant. That would be the roots or the vine. When you prune back, when you cut back the branches, it forces, because of that wound to heal, it forces the branches to pull more from the source of life. And when they do that, it is that intensified pulling of those nutrients that produces faster, more fruitful growth. That's what happened to those bushes when Leah, I thought, had killed them. When in fact, she was pruning them so that they would learn again. They would, in a second iteration, pull from the life of the earth, the source of their life. And that brings us to the second thing I want us to see this morning. The first thing is, let's not forget that the love of the vine dresser is contributing to the flourishing of his disciples both in removing the dead branches and in pruning the true disciples. That is happening. The second way we see in verses one through five that the Lord is contributing to our flourishing, that is our growth, that is our fruitfulness, is we see the life of the vine. Starting in verse four. Abide in me and I in you, As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. This word abide. There really could be multiple sermons on the concept of abiding. Some translations translate this as remain. I think that's a great word. What is the idea of abiding? Abiding is a verb. This is the first imperative in the entire first five verses. We get the noun form abode from this word abide. What is an abode? An abode is your place of permanent residence. It's where you live. It's where you dwell. That's an abode. And so Jesus is saying abide and to abide is to continue in a daily personal relationship with Jesus. Abide in me. Make your permanent residence in me. That's what he's saying. So to abide is to continually rest in Jesus's love for you in the midst of everything you experience. To abide, to make your abode in Jesus is to continually rest in his love for you in the midst of everything we experience. Now, what does that look like practically maybe? What about when you're wronged? What's your first response when you're wronged? Is it to frustration and anger, looking for immediate justice, as opposed to maybe Pulling your life and energy from Jesus where you'd be willing to forbear for a time for the well-being of the other person and the transformation of your character? Do you lash out in anger when you're wrong? Is that the first place you go? Or to abide would be to make the choice of saying, no, this, I'm going to pull from the life source of Jesus that will empower me like Jesus to forbear for a time so that I can most love this person. And for the true disciples, be transformed in character. That might be what abiding looks like when you're wronged. What about when you fail? What about when you fail standards at work or when you fail standards at home? What about when you fail standards in your own mind? Some of us have standards that are so high, we continually fail. What do you do then? Where do you go? Do you go to self protection? Do you go to hiding? Do you go to beating yourself up or do you abide? And maybe abiding looks like recalling and resting upon your value being in Jesus. To hide is to say, I'm worthless because I failed. I'm worthless because I didn't perform. But to abide in Jesus really looks like recalling that my value is in him. It's in the fact that I'm a child of God and that Jesus died for me. To do that moment by moment would be abiding. What about when you feel threatened? What's the first thing do you do? Do you run to fear? What about when there's a change of direction in your life when you didn't see it coming or when there's a change in circumstances or a financial setback? Where do you run to? Do you as the branch grow outward to try to find a source of heat and light and protection and comfort? Or do you receive that as pruning so that you go back to the source of life and draw from it? Maybe that's what it looks like to abide in a few simple concrete areas. Now, if you abide, Jesus says you'll bear much fruit. As you abide you will bear much fruit because you abide you will bear much fruit but what is fruit i mean what is fruit in everyday life in the bible fruit is us being transformed and transforming changed and changing of our entire life by the power of jesus fruit Bearing fruit is the outcome of continually being changed and transformed in the entirety of our life by the power of Jesus. What's the most famous passage of this? It's gotta be Galatians five, fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. To abide and to bear fruit, Means that we're growing in all of these realities. Ephesians 5.8. For at one time you were darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. In the vine. In John 15. He says. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of light. Which is Jesus. Is found in all that is good. Right and true. What could get outside of that? All that is good. And right and true. Is all of our life being transformed in such a way that in every area we're increasing in living and doing for what is good, right, and true? What a Philippians 1.1, 1, 1, Paul says, be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes, here it is again, through Jesus Christ. So you see in every one of these things, the life that is in Jesus is what is producing. Life in the vine is what, is pr- what produces fruit. You don't go find fruit and staple it on yourself. A few weeks ago, I pulled in and a tree in front of our house, uh, the branch was broken, but all the leaves were still green. And it was hanging on barely, just by a thread. And I, and I took my four-year-old and I said, hey, Livy, do you see that? I said, do you see how that branch is broken? And she said, yeah. And I said, do you see how the leaves are still green? She said, yeah. And I said, we're gonna keep watching that every day. And soon all of those leaves will be brown. And so the next day I said, do you see a difference? And she said, no. And The next day I said, do you see a difference? And she said, no. And then we forgot about it for a couple weeks. But then when it was completely dead, I took her out there and it was still hanging, but it was all shriveled up. And the rest of the tree was so beautiful. And she said, she's actually the one that saw it and reminded me of it. She said, daddy, look, all of the leaves are brown, just like you said. And I said, why are all the leaves brown? And she said, because the branch is broken and it's not hanging onto the tree. And I said, yes. You see, you can't just go, if that would have fallen off and I would have tied it back to the tree, it would have stayed green for a while. But all of the leaves would have browned up. Why? Because you can't staple fruit. Last one, Hebrews 13, 15. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. The reason I throw this one in there is because all of us in wanting and longing to praise God more in every season of our life, we have to realize that it is abiding in Jesus that produces worship. It is, he says, the fruit of the lips The fruit of the lips, that is to say, praise that comes out of our mouth is cultivated by abiding in Jesus. Not by saying the right things, not by praying the right way, not by engaging in all the right disciplines merely, but by understanding all of the disciplines are to connect us to the vine, not to perform so that God will love us. It is produced in us. Now, in all of these, we must see a very important fact, and this is where we end. We are not called to produce fruit. Do you see that? Nowhere in John 15 does it say produce fruit. It says bear fruit. You say, what's the difference? It is not your job to make fruit. It is not your job to produce fruit. Only the life that comes from the vine can produce fruit. You, as a branch in the vine, bear fruit. Jesus said it apart from me, the branch apart from me can do nothing. Then where does fruit come from? Do you just try really hard? No, you abide and you bear fruit. We skipped a verse. Did you know that? I did it on purpose. Verse three. We got to read this to get this in flow. This is just... Hilarious. Listen, I'm the I'm the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Got it. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Okay, I'm with you. Already you are clean. Because what does he say? Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. It's like, what? I mean, this is the type of stuff that costs preachers hours. I mean, you read this stuff and you're like, I have no idea. What is he talking about? But the more I thought about it, the more I realized this verse is probably what makes the imagery of John 15 distinctly Christian. I mean, there are lots of religions, I would say, lots of New Age uh, philosophies that would say, oh, yeah, somehow you just have to connect into the power You just have to connect into the source of life and then it'll change you. You know, the universe is this source of energy and if you can find your way to connect into it, it'll change you, it'll produce good things. I think some people, I think you take that to some people and they read John 15 and they say, oh yeah, they cut it out and they paste it in their book of favorite sayings. But what makes it distinctly Christian, I think is verse three. What is he saying? When you look at this in English long enough, you may be able to see it, but definitely in Greek, you get this tip off. This word for clean and prune are from the same root. So in Greek, you actually see a really clear play on. And see, I tried to shortcut things this week. So I just, I didn't read Greek first, which is what I normally try to do. And so then I beat my head against the wall for a long time in English finally went back to Greek and saw it right away. That's so discouraging sometimes try to shortcut and it takes you more time. But what I saw was a play on word, pretty clear. He says, already you are cleaned. You might even be able to say, already you are pruned. What does that mean? In John 13, these exact words were used when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet. If you remember, he's washing their feet and he comes to Peter and Peter says, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus says, I will wash your feet. Or what does he say? You have nothing in me. And Peter, I love him. He then says, well, then wash my head and my hands too. What was Jesus saying? He's saying the same thing he's saying here in verse three. He says, Peter, you have no share in me unless I wash your feet. Unless you, but he says, but in fact, you are already clean. That's what he says. You are already clean. And in verse 15, he says, we are already clean. So here's the point. He's saying, our acceptance, your acceptance, it comes from resting in my washing of you and pruning of you. That is the sign that you are already washed and pruned. The willingness in your life to be pruned And washed, trustingly, meekly, humbly, under the vine dressers, cutting is the sign that you are clean and whole already. This is the crazy gospel logic here. You will be pruned. You are already pruned. Why? Because you believe in me. You trust in me. You see, it's not about us worrying about are we doing the right things? Does God accept me? Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Yes, you will be pruned. Don't be surprised. But the fact that you believe in me, your willingness to submit to me, your willingness to believe that I am good, your willingness to trust in my righteousness for you, that is why you are clean. He just puts it right in there. He just puts it right in there. He's saying, by the way, you cannot continually abide unless you believe you're already accepted by me. And how do you know you're accepted by me? Because you come and you accept willingly and humbly the pruning of the vine dresser because you trust him. That is what Jesus is saying. And you see, ultimately, the reason we can trust him is because Jesus, the true vine, was cut off completely so that you and I would only be pruned so that you and I could flourish, so that you and I could thrive. He was cut off completely so that you and I would be pruned. That is the gospel. You don't staple fruit, you abide. And why can you abide? Because Jesus was cut off so that his life could be given to you. Let's pray. Father, our hope is in you and we cannot survive without you. Jesus, you said we can do nothing without you. It's true. And we're thankful for that because we experience daily. We experience moment by moment our weakness. We can fake it for so long. We can think that we can stay green even though we're not connected to the tree, but it's not possible. And when we come to our senses, we're so thankful. You tell us, hey, listen, if you don't abide in me, there's no life. And we're quickly reminded, that's right, we don't wanna produce life, we want to bear fruit because your life is in us. So help us this week not strive. In our feelings, but to rest in you and them. Help us this week to draw our patience not from our own self-control, but from the life that is in you. In Jesus' name, Amen.